day. I love that. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Kingdom 101 Relationships, also known as the Wednesday Night Bible Study for Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship. Yay! I am Pastor Lindsay Lee, also known as PL3, and it's my honor to be here tonight to have this kingdom conversation um, about relationships, about the things of the kingdom of God. I'm going to pose some questions to you all, as well as uh, allow you or ask you really to pose questions right back at me. Uh, in a couple of weeks, we're going to feature our ministers, uh, some of the ministers that are there at our house and some ministry friends as well to come and have another chat. And we do something along the lines of a round table. And what we do is we pick up the nuances from the teachings that we have uh, gathered over the past few weeks or so. And we take those things in to see what it is, how we're applying things to our lives. I, one thing I've learned about myself, um, and I'm actually querying some folks and just asking this as a question. It's when, when I do what I do, or when you talk to me, what is the theme that you hear? As I myself wonder sometimes, what do I talk about when I talk about the kingdom? I love talking about relationships. I had one friend that told me, she says, you're always talking about identity and that no matter what it is, that there is a desire to give people the understanding of who they are in Christ. And I think that that's a pretty good description. But what else have you noticed? If what, what are you yourself picking up that, um, how do I say this? What are, your, what are your takeaways? When we get these gatherings together, whether it's this here or whatever kind of gathering it is where we're talking about the word of God, we're talking about the kingdom, and we're talking about you. We're talking about our lives coming together as that corporate body. What are the takeaways that you have? What is it that you are applying to your own life that is making it for the better? And that's something that I'd, I'd like to know. I'm also going to invite you... Uh, whoever you may be that is on here, that as you come along to also share what it is uh, to share the broadcast, that's what I'm doing at the moment, and share share what we're talking about, share this particular Bible study. It's like inviting somebody to your Bible study, only instead of us being in the building, we are here <laughs> online. Um, and so we're having that talk. So now I've done all of my intros and I'm going to open in prayer or continue on unless this would be a, a good time to have the prayer. And then we'll dive into what we're going to talk about tonight. Father, I am grateful to you. There have been so many thumbs up and thumbs down kind of moments in day, the day. And in all things, you, you show us our heart. You show us a tolerance level. You show us where the boundaries are. I thank you for the Bible studies. I thank you for the conversations. I thank you for the interactions with the men and women of God that I'm blessed to be around. I even thank you for the moments of, of I don't thank you for the misunderstandings themselves, but the way that you bring clarity and understanding. And we're able to submit ourselves to you once again, to allow things to be removed and to, to move into things the way it is that you want us to do. And I'm seeking to be more of that and less of anything else that I've ever been. I thank you for encounters, divine encounters that may not appear to be much, but they're really big to you and they matter. And I thank you for the wonderful people that I'm surrounded with every single day of my life. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for early morning conversation and for all the things that you do and what you bring out of us tonight, what you bring forth to us tonight, and what it is that will be a dynamic change to our lives and in our lives and within ourselves in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. So <clears throat> I have uh, this question is posed and I'm going to say hi to Crystal because she's working behind the scenes today and she may very well ask questions. I don't think she's going to come on, but <laughs> she can if she wants to. So uh, but anyway, hey, Chris, thank you for being in the background. Um, so the question here that she's posing to me, when I talk about kingdom, yes, what do I talk about? That's what I want to know. When I talk about kingdom, what are you hearing? Uh, what what causes you to want to change? And Crystal and I had a Bible study today that we do on most Wednesdays. And we actually do it at my round table in the kitchen. And she had come up with, um, as we were just talking, it was like, well, what are, what are we going to pick up on? And the spirit of the Lord brought us to, things about establishing boundaries because again these are relationships and it's things within yourself that you will allow or that you will disallow in terms of how it is that you speak and one of the scriptures that we were looking at or our conversation was based upon was out of uh, the word where Jesus said whatsoever things you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever things you loose in earth shall be loosed in heaven and the other one he talked about is entering in through the straight gate or the narrow gate and so as we were looking that at, at those things it, it raised up certain questions talking to the Holy Spirit and it was um, what do you mean by this Matthew 16 he says I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. And I know many people are used to saying, I bind the devil and I do this and I do that. But we were looking at actually, how did Jesus ever do it? Because we don't find any scriptures in here where he actually says, I'm going to bind the devil. <laughs> and, um, and yet he did. He did it all the time. We, we were, he, Holy Spirit was wonderful in the way he took us into examples uh, of how this was happening. He showed us, according to the word of God, um, places. Mark chapter 5 is where he took us to. But that same word about being bound, it's the word deo. And it talks about um, to tie, to impede, or to hinder, and to, to or a legal or a moral tie. It can also be uh, talking about marriage. So there's different things, even in your marriage, whatever you bind on earth, that binding. And in fact, it's interesting, in early century type of things, people actually used to say that. They would say, um, they're, they're going to have a binding ceremony. And they were actually talking about a wedding, that it was a binding ceremony. So I think that's kind of cool. Remember, there's always a, 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 a plus uh, uh, one uh, way of looking at a word, but also another. So it might be a positive in your mind or a negative kind of kind of bearing. And Matthew chapter, Mark chapter five, when Jesus was talking or when he had entered into the land of the Gadarenes and the man that had had the legion of demons who was bound um, or could the people could not hold him. They could not bind him because the 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 marks would not. Um, they wouldn't stay with him. So that's where I am is Matthew, Mark, forgive me, uh, Mark chapter five. And it talked about, it started in verse one, when Jesus had said to them, let's go to the other side. And when they came over and they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had got, come out of the boat, they said immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. And later on, you'll see where it looked. And it said from afar off, he was looking. 
and he saw him coming. And so he was waiting for him. Now, it's a funny thing that the man, the physical body ran to Jesus and worshiped him because it, it says that he he bowed to him. But the demon spoke out of his mouth saying, what do I have to do with you? So you've got a conflict here. You've got a, a human spirit that is seeking to yield to something greater. And then a demonic spirit that has had control of the human spirit. And yet that what we find, though they could not... Um, it, verse three, it says he had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. And so whatever it was that they were trying to bind him with, it was being bound only on the earth. They were trying to control him and keep him from hurting himself or from hurting others, but they couldn't hold him because the demonic spirit had such a strength about it. He was demonically empowered, if you will, to break free. Now, and to break free from what man tried to do. But you, did you notice, but the demons could not keep him from coming forth with what God wanted him to do, what God wanted to do. Because this man, it said he had often been bound, Mark chapter five, and now I'm at verse four. He had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Well, where do you think they get the idea of the Incredible Hulk from. Just think about that. Because you've seen this kind of thing in cartoons and, and things like that. But this is that supernatural power that comes forth from rage. And you've seen that. But here's the thing. He had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him. And the shackles broken in pieces. And neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, this is the torment. He was in the mountains and in the tombs, and he was crying out, and he was cutting himself with stones. He was drawing blood, which made him, as far as the demons were concerned, a really great human altar because they could keep drawing blood from him. They could keep tormenting him. They could keep working in his mind. And why do I... I identify with this story because, <laughs> because back in the very early days of my walk, with the Lord or coming into, uh, I didn't know about kingdom or, or all of that, but I was a very tormented soul. I was born again, but I was tormented and I would tear at myself and cut myself. I didn't do it with rocks and knives or blades, but I did it with food and I did it with abusive relationships and I did it with going someplace where I could be hurt and I needed to be hurt. That's what the tormenting told me. I deserve to be hurt. And so all of this is going on because I'm not in my right mind. And this passage of scripture right here in, in King, my book, Kingdom 101, I actually talk about that. I say, hey, uh, everybody else, I identify with Peter. I identify with Paul. Oh, yes, I see myself like in John. And I said, I see myself like the demoniac in Mark chapter five, which made it not a great conversation after that. Nobody wanted to talk about Bible characters after I said my thing. So, you know, we didn't anymore. But but the freeing of this, and I've actually been to this place in Israel, and, and I, I remember standing there when we went and looking at the, and it's, it wasn't very attractive. It, you could, it was kind of oppressive. It was kind of icky to be in that particular area. But I stood there and I thought, this is where the man came into his right mind. And I understood that better 
then I understood a lot of things. So here he saw Jesus from afar and he ran and worshiped him. And yet remember, he's tearing off the shackles and he's cutting himself and he's crying out and he's tormented and he's he's going through all this darkness, but he saw Jesus and his spirit, he recognized him even in that state that he was in. And he cries out, he cried out, but was it him with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. You see, part of this man is, wait a minute, here's another one. Can you imagine being, maybe some of you really can, having had so much coming at your mind that you see more in the spirit world than you see in the natural world. And you see the kind of spirits that are coming at you. You see things that you maybe you're not even supposed to see. And here he sees another spirit. And I know it was the demonic thing that was saying, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high, um, son of the most high? What do I have to do with you? And yet the man is worshiping him. And the man is saying, I don't want any more torment. And I recognize your power is being greater. But the demon is saying, no, really, I don't. I'm telling you to tell him that because I don't want I don't want him to torment me. I have I don't want this. Have you come to torment me? And in other translations, it says before the time. And he said, but why? Because the only thing that Jesus was heard saying was come out of the man, unclean spirit. Now, why this is important is because we were talking about binding and loosing. And Jesus did not come onto that place and say, I bind you religion or demons or any of that stuff. What he said is come out of the man. And he did not say, I take authority over this circumstance and situation. And I'm telling you, devil, that this is what you're going to do. He said, come out of the man, unclean spirit. And what was happening was he was establishing, I have taken authority. I have just stepped onto this ground and exercised apostolic authority, kingdom authority, prophetic authority, love's authority to let it be known not another moment shall this man be held captive by you. Now, he didn't go and well, I said all that. That's not what we have recorded, because the most important thing that he said was come out of the man. Now, this was not one of those. He said, come out and the demon immediately came out. No, that didn't happen that way, because he's like, what do I have to do with you? That's the first conversation. And then Jesus asked him, and this is not a doctrine. Who, who are you? And really, he's not asking because he doesn't know. But the spirit said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And do you understand that the Lord was not intimidated by whether it was be one demon or a bunch of them? He still said the same. Your name is unclean spirit. You call yourself Legion. He said, come out of him, unclean spirit. And not one of them was clean. So it was applicable to all. And then he didn't call, he didn't say legion, I speak to you. He said, unclean spirit, come out of him. Why do I want to dwell on that? Because his authority was such, he didn't need to know what the, what the demonic was identifying itself as. He was letting it be known, no matter how many of you there are, I'm still saying the same thing. And so the, it says he begged him, this one spirit, the, the, what you call the representative, he spoke, the spokesperson, he begged him earnestly, 
that he would not send them out of the country. Now, why would a demon that had authority over the body of that particular man suddenly be asking Jesus to, uh, will you please not, don't cast me out. Don't send me out of the country. Please don't do this. Why is it doing that? Because it doesn't have authority and it knew it. So he never, the, the, the Yeshua never had to say, I take authority over you. He simply did it. And then, and he didn't say, I bind you because his words legally uh, spoke up and allowed him precedence over it. He took, he had legal precedence. He had authority. So it was not a question of trying to establish it. Like I take it. He already had it. He wasn't needing to take it. He was acting upon it. And this, oh, the, why was, what was the objective? Whatever I see my father do. That's what I do. And if I see that my father has sent me over here to say to this unclean spirit, come out of this man, then that's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to argue with demons. I'm not here to try to categorize everything they do so that I can write a little notebook, you know, and a, and a, a primer on, on all this kind of stuff. I'm simply here. Everything it has to say, I'm just going to say what my father said. Come out, come out, come out. And so after they beg him, now there's a large herd of swine that is, is feeding near the mountains. And so the demons are like, okay, all of the demons. This is what's so funny to me. Verse 10, it said, he begged. Verse 12, it says, all of them did it. So we are many. <laughs> please, 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 you know, just doing all these different things. And what did he say? They're saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once, Jesus gave them permission. So again, I think some people think that Jesus was negotiating. But remember that always with him, it's whatever I see my father do, that's what I do. So this was permission from God and ex God, and it wasn't like, well, okay, let's think about this. Okay, that'll be all right. No, it wasn't like that at all. There was a demonstration to be had. This was a power shift over a region. This is something where they're going, okay, yeah, because uh, we'll be good. We'll be good. Just let us, you know, you can see the implication of it. But what happened? Those who had fed the swine fled. Why? Because once he gave them permission, those unclean spirits, entered the swine they said there were about 2000 and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and they drowned in the sea so again what does that tell you first of all that the demons are always going to destroy whatever they're in and they found themselves homeless anyway because they didn't have permission to go into anything else and the people are looking and they 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 flee because they're running like that. I've never seen anything like that. This guy is no longer acting crazy. But these the the, the pigs this, they're gone. They have absolutely. We just saw we lost a lot of money just now, and they go running back because they're afraid. And then they came to Jesus because they're telling him, you guys got to come out here and see what happened. And they saw the one. Now, a lot of people say, I don't read italicize. I read it when it fits into the, it fits in the story. They saw the one and it says who had been demon possessed. And I think that's accurate because he was no longer demon possessed. And it said he, they saw the one who had been demon possessed and that had had the legion. But now he's sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And I remember reading that scripture and I've told the story more than once and I'll keep telling it. For, for as often as it's needed. But I remember very well that I read those words clothed and in his right mind. And I didn't even know what that meant. It hit me like a, an opening of doors. You mean 
you can be in your right mind. You see, because I had been out of mind for a long time, out of my mind, out of my right mind would say that I was out of the right relationship with the father. I wasn't having the relationship with the father that was available to me because I wasn't in the mind of Christ. I was in a different mind. And so it goes on. And what we were looking at that for was the exercise of authority and whatever was bound on earth, legally uh, tied, forbidden to continue. Heaven has backed that up. That's what he means that you, you, this man is off limits to you or, or this life or this region because a lot of things shifted. The people asked Jesus to leave at that time because they were afraid and they, they, it was uncomfortable and they didn't know what they wanted to do with it. But the man stayed and believe me, the impressions that happened that day brought about a change in the atmosphere and brought about a change in the lives of one. And I can guarantee, I'm sure that man was never possessed again. And he had to have gone on to tell. He had a testimony. Don't tell me that God cannot deliver you. Don't tell me that God cannot put you in your right mind. Don't tell me that there is not authority in the person of Jesus. And if we, as we, as citizens, are empowered with his name, well, that is the person. And so don't tell me that when Jesus shows up, things don't change. Don't tell me that I can, I have to stay the way that I've been. And I am able to run to him in my unclean state, filled with the most ridiculous things. Haven't had a right thought in a very long time. But when he showed up and he took the time to sit there, he waited. He was with that man. That man had the opportunity not only to, to heal, but to be made whole. That man in his right mind to be clothed and in his right mind. Um, let's look at that before we move on. See, in his right mind, again, that was the thing that got me. And it was um, it was like to say that he was sober minded. He had a sound mind. He was calm. He was um, he was in his right mind. He was sane. He was all of these things. It, it says that he had self-control. You, you think about what in first Timothy, I believe it is. He says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And I believe the Amplified says, and of a sound mind, um, we have self-control. This man, man here, that's what he had. He had that um, sophronio. He had that right mind and he's sitting there with Jesus, not intimidated, not being looked upon as still dirty, and the other thing that it said was that he was clothed and that he was dressed. You know, the Bible talks about in Genesis that, thank you to Paradigm, Second Timothy, um, the Bible talks about in, in, in Genesis to dress the earth, to replenish the earth, to dress it, to keep it. And that's what was happening. This man was being dressed and this man was being kept and this man was being um, loved and cherished and recognized and brought into the reality of who he was in just that time that he spent with the Lord Jesus Christ brought about a difference in his life and therefore a difference in the region. I want to go. I would like to be one of your followers. And he was telling him, you need to stay here. And yet he was accepting him as one of his followers. Remember, I've got people everywhere. They have these encounters with the Lord and um, 
this is what happened. So I'm going to leave it at that for the moment. And I'll go to back. I see Minister Frederick answered my question because my original question uh, was, what do you hear? Or what was it, Crystal? <laughs> um, yeah, what do you hear when I'm, when I'm talking? Do you hear me talking about identity? Uh, when I'm talking about relationships, do you understand that we're always, always talking about your identity because that's what you bring into the relationship? Yes, when I talk about kingdom, what do I talk about? And Minister Frederick says, I'm hearing that you actually have a relationship with God, that you hear from him, that he speaks to you. And I hear your yearning to please him so that other people can experience the same thing. Okay, so that's your takeaway. Thank you for that. And so when I look at that, remember, we're talking here about your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself and your relationship with others. And I have never really moved that far from that question. Um, you know, how do I walk in kingdom, I think was another question that I posed, or how do you see the kingdom in me? How do you know that somebody is a kingdom citizen that is a, a walking as a son versus somebody that's walking as a Christian. Let's put that word in, in quotations. Uh, when I talked to the ministers a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the difference between the posing of I'm a minister of the gospel. And, and I'm, so I'm supposed to have, um, I don't know, my identity is as a preacher, but that's not what your identity is. Your identity is not as a preacher. That's um, part of your calling may have um, as part of your responsibilities, but it's not your identity, you know, or people will say, I'm a child of God and say, well, what does that mean? Uh, it means that I'm, what are the words y'all use? You can write some of those comments down if there's anybody there besides Frederick and Crystal. And I think I saw William Anderson. If I did, hi, brother, it's good to see you too. And somebody says, hi, sis, but you got to put your name down because I don't know who's sissing me. <laughs> so hi to you too, but I don't know who that is yet. Um, what do you mean? I'm a child of God. So you talking about your blood wash? Yes. Okay. And I've been um, crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the son of God. Right? Okay, good. Uh, what else y'all got? Uh, who else are you? Or what else? What What else? Uh, oh, it's Jennifer. Okay. Hi, Jennifer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, what else do, do we... Um, do you how else do you identify yourself? Because there is a difference between you identifying yourself and walking in your identity. Sometimes I'll ask people, well, who does God say you are? And you'll give me all these things. Who do you say you are? And they'll tell me, well, this is what I say too. And then I'll say, who does God think you are? And the answer to that is who, what God says he, uh, about you. And then I ask you, who do you think you are? And now the answer is not the same. And one of the reasons why sometimes it's not the same. It's because of the thoughts that we allow to stay. It's because of the things, the thoughts that we we enter in relationship with. Because you can make a relationship with a thought. Excuse me. You can make friends with a thought. Or you can pal around with a thought. You can think all day about how horrible you are. How terrible you are. How this or that or the other. You can think about it all day long. It's in the back of your mind. It's constantly, you're meditating on it. You're chewing on it. And your actions will eventually take on the, um, the form of the thoughts that you're thinking. I'm not, I'm not good enough for this. Um, I, I, I'm going to just stay in a humble state because people have hurt my feelings so much. I'm just not going to bother to put myself up and, and so forth. I had a conversation with someone today that was doing a just kidding kind of thing, but they lied on me. And I called them on it. 
And it was like, wow, you know, you're defending yourself. Oh, really? I wasn't. But I could sense that thing in the spirit. It's like, no, you just made a false accusation. You just said something about me that is absolutely not true. And not only is it not true, you know, it's not true, but you're trying to give somebody else the impression that it is the truth. And you know what? I don't find that acceptable. And so was I trying to cause a fight? No. No, not even a little bit. But I recognized in the spirit that is not who I am. And I'm not going to laugh about it, kid about it, or agree with it. And I'm going to bring that correction. Now, if you don't like it, that's okay. I'm actually okay with you not liking the fact that I spoke the truth about myself. But what I'm not okay with is staying in agreement with you about what has been said. If, if, I'm, if I'm making any sense at all, I really hope I am. Um, I've got a little issue with my computer peeps. Um, a few things are frozen. So anyway, I'll try to do what I'm doing. Okay. Um, so, hey, Florida, <laughs> Sister Barbara, it's good to see you, sweetheart. I get to see you in a few weeks anyway. So, um, yeah, thank you, Krista. She says also that Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? And so that's kind of what we're looking at. Some say that you're the Christ. Some say that you're this and that or the other. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? Um, you know, or some say you're this or that. G uh, Peter said, you're the Christ. Okay, you're the Christ. And that's who you are. Why? Because I recognize you. I recognize something about you. A, a man that was tormented with demons sees you from afar off, which meant he saw you in the spirit as well. He, saw, he had vision to see. He had supernatural possibly vision to see afar off who you were. And he's meeting the boat as it comes to the shore. Do people see you as rescuer? Do they see you as a place of peace? Have you, you have, I'm sure many of you have had that moment when somebody confides in you and then they say, I don't even know why I'm saying all this. I had that happen just a few hours ago at the store. And a woman was sharing things with me and I'm listening to her and she's talking God, but something didn't seem quite right. And, and so she went on and she said the things she did and I'm listening to her, but I'm also listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, what do you want me to do? He said, what I really want is for you to put, to have her have a way to be in touch with you. And, and she ended up friending me on Facebook. Um, our beliefs are different. But the spirit of the Lord, I got to hug her in the store. My brother that was with me, he also hugged her in the store because she needed human contact and she needed someone just in that moment to reach across, you see. And so it was it was a moment that was where he was there's some the the, the him, the him in us. See, began to show and. And she she knew without knowing why why do I why do I am I saying something to you why I'm, I'm not quite sure I understand but the spirit is drawing you see what I'm saying it's the kingdom citizenship it's the, it's the it's the recognition of those things and so Chris is asking this question um, let me put that one up how do we begin to move in our authority and recognize that that's what we're doing well funny story you just do it. I, I don't think you can think I'm going to exercise my authority in Jesus. It's like I, you're just simply going to be the son and you're going to see what the father wants to do and you're going to do it and you're authorized to do it because you have keys. You know, you have the key to enter in. You have the 
You have the uh, the calling on your life. You have the instruction of the father to obey him and to walk with him. You're authorized to be a son. And so I think sometimes, and, and help me with this, but do are you thinking authority as in, I've got the power, you know? Or are you thinking authority uh, because that's different. Or are you thinking of exousia, that I simply have divine uh, calling and anointing? And we can look that word up and, and check something out. Um, do you simply, are you simply looking at um, being able to do what the father said? Because the father said it. So we have dunamis, we know. And we have um, exousia. And so what we want when we're looking at being a, a person of authority, uh, the person, even the centurion, this is a great one in Matthew chapter eight, when the soldier was saying, I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes into another come and he comes into my servants do this. And they do because that's the authority that I have. But he said, I'm under authority. So my my exousia is designated. And, and that word is talking about, I have ability, I have the faculties, I have the liberty, I have the license, I have the, the rule, I have a license. You think about having a license to drive. How do you exercise your authority as a licensed driver? You drive. That's what you do. You simply go about doing what you are capable of doing. And if somebody stops you, law enforcement, they say, I'd like to see your identification. You pull that card out. That card says, I am authorized to drive. It is that, it's not something I, I don't need permission. I have this card that this driver's license that is valid is not suspended. And it says I have the right to operate this vehicle or uh, these this type of vehicle. And nobody can tell me that I can't. If I've done nothing wrong. You, you know, it has to would have to be revoked. But I have that authority. And it is simply I, I think that's what he's saying. Exercising your authority is as simple as driving a car. If you have the right to drive that particular car, if you have the keys to the car, if the car is in your name and you get in, if you have keys to a house, an apartment, a, a, a home, and your name is on the mortgage or your name is on the rental agreement or whatever it is, or you are renting rooms, but the people, the occupants gave you the key. You exercise your authority every time you put that key in the lock and you turn it and you enter in or you have the authority to lock the door, binding, if you would, to come out and to stick that key in the lock and turn it the other way. And that's an exercise of authority. It's like breathing. It's 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 what we do. We uh, there was a, an encounter I had a few days ago where there was a supposed to be some kind of a ruckus going on. And, and I, I, I personally, my personality is not one that wants to get involved in other people's drama, but I came upon the thing and there was a whole lot that people were trying to stir up and I stepped out and I had not even met this person that was in the midst of this bruja. And I asked her, are you talking to so-and-so? And she said, yes. I said, hang it up. And this woman does not know me. And she hung up the phone. And she hung it up and you could tell it was like she hung it up without. And then part of her was like, why did I even do what she said? I don't even know who, what gives her the right to tell me what to do. But yet she did it. And I went on and there was some other stuff. And I said, no, let's hold that. Let's stop. There was never any yelling. There was never any. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you something. It was like, 
listen, will you trust me? Will you trust that I know God? Would you trust that I trust God? And that was kind of the way it is. Now, did I know some people were lying to me? I sure did. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was not about that. It was about something else that the Lord wanted. And I'm listening. And I go forth and and um, a few other little things happen. And then I come back and, and, and there's this woman again. And she's getting ready to get up. And she's going to do that. And I told her, I said, hold that, please. <laughs> she's just she actually froze. It was, if I'm correct in what I saw, um, it was almost like she froze in place. Like she didn't know what to do. <laughs> she really didn't know what to do, but she did what I said because I was being bossy. No, because I, I'm going to take authority over the situation. No, because it was the kingdom coming into a place that needed the intervention of the kingdom. And I am a representative of the kingdom. And so when I stepped in and the father had kind of pushed for Holy Spirit, it's like the spirit of the Lord rises in you and says, I'm, I'm, I need to take care of this. And so you simply give him voice to do it. And I never thought about myself in the process. I didn't think about, well, y'all better listen to me or, uh, you know, and, and don't nobody. I mean, I never came into it at all. It was never about me from the moment that I, I stepped into that situation and I heard what was up. All I cared about was peace. I didn't come for that. I came for a different mission and I was going to fulfill that mission. And it was like all this stuff. Y'all going to get out of the way because we've got I've got someplace to go. I've got something to do. And I did not come here for this. And so I'm not going to be sidetracked by this. Let's get this for me it was like clearing debris get it out of the way clear the path we've got something else to do and that's what was actually going on inside of me and so I can laugh at it because it's exercising what we have by like brushing I'm authorized to brush my teeth I'm authorized to drive my car I'm authorized to go into any room in my house I'm authorized I have authority to do these things and so those are the things that I do does that make sense does that help at all yeah, because you're right. I didn't. I didn't even realize what I was doing until after. Because it just here's the words. You ready? The authority came naturally. It was supernatural, but it's natural to me to walk in heaven's authority. It's more natural as a citizen of the kingdom in relationship with the almighty God. It's natural to me to operate in kingdom authority. That's what I'm called to do as a son. That's what the son does. He patterns it and we do what he says to do. So that's kind of how that worked out. Do I have any other questions? That's a great question. And I, I love it. I didn't know what I was doing until after it was done. It's like, whoa, wait, did you see that? Because I'm telling you, well, let me just put these people in play. No, that's not me. And the folks that I was talking to, they're used to uh, throwing down. <laughs> they, they're the kind of people like, well, well let's, let's just let's just take it to the, you know, let's just take it to the violent level. It's like, not with me, you ain't. <laughs> <laughs> not with me you're not uh oh -uh. that's not that's not how we roll that is not how we roll i don't i don't do that i don't do that stuff i'll, I'll take you down in spirit <laughs> i'm not gonna try to take you down in flesh and blood so um i think one more point i wanted to make uh we did go uh, minister frederick do you have any um other thoughts or something or comments and crystal as well and again i'm working from my computer but my mouse or Something is not wanting to do what it's supposed to do. Sorry. I just went away for a minute. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. Anyway. Um, 
Anything else? Anybody? Nope. Because if not, I, I think I can kind of wind it down now and simply say this. I, I, wanna, I want you to consider something. I want you to consider what your life is meant to be and to walk in that, to, to walk in things the way that the Spirit of the Lord wants you to versus the way that you want to. There's a lot of willfulness and willfulness leaves us wanting um, things that uh, wanting things to be correct, but never having things to be right. We looked at uh, one more scripture and uh, I want to share that one with us before we go. And this is also in, I believe, Matthew. And it was uh, found. <laughs> yep. Um, Matthew chapter seven. And we were looking at this uh, verses 13 and 14. Um where he talked about, where Jesus talked about um, walking in the, through the narrow gate. And the question is, um, am I saying that as we obey, the authority will come naturally? I believe that it, it but I want to use that word natural and look at it just a little bit differently. It's a supernatural natural. It is pat the pattern of the son of God. It is obedience is the pattern of Jesus that we always obey the father. And with that come the benefits or the, the, the benefits of sonship. They come through us supernaturally, but that's natural for us. And so oh, seeking to obey God and saying, whatever I see my father doing that he wants me to do, that's what I'm going to do. It's going to reap the benefit of what it is that he desires. And Chris, can you put the comments in front for me to see? Um, so um, that's, that's what I mean by that, is that I'm going to, that the obedience, which is a supernatural power of the kingdom, the authority comes with within the obedience because the sons of God are obedient. As an obedient son, Jesus went about doing the things that he did. And so the authority came through him as a natural part of who he was. But it was the supernatural power of obedience because to it takes God to obey God. It takes God to understand God. It takes relationship, um, passion for him and with him, his passion working through us. It's an interesting thing because when I try to obey, I will go through the motions, but my heart is far from him. It's like that scripture that says these people honor me with their lips. And so I say the right things. I, I talk the right talk, but my heart is engaged to follow after something else. It's only when it's engaged to follow God that I'm doing what Galatians 5 says, which is walk in the spirit and be led by the spirit so that I will not obey the lust of the flesh obedience is is our it's a superpower and it's one that we must allow to transform us it's part of our transformation i really do believe it it is part of our transformation into the mature sons the weos of god it is obeying him it's, it's even without question i had an incident that happened and i'm still going to go to matthew's um mark yeah, Matthew 7. But I had a situation that happened and we talked about it in our gathering, our um, corporate gathering on Sunday, where my apostle called me to give me a word from the Lord and some instructions and some things I needed to do. And I ended up I, I, I was allowed, but I, I, I something about it didn't I didn't sit well with me because I was like, you need to start it right now. And I was like, dang, I, I just 
just got this and I, I wanted to do this. And it was like, so are you saying that you won't? It's like, no, no, no. I was willing to do it, but God gave grace and said, no, you have until five o'clock, you know, and then you start and it was okay. And yet for me, it was, it, it, it ceased. That was like the last time, you know, it's like, you know what, something's got to change and the change has to come from me because I just delayed obedience by wanting what I wanted as if what I wanted naturally was more important than the supernatural intervention of God. Prayerfully, you know, I didn't delay anything. And yet it's like, I, I remember standing up in our service on Sunday and I said, you know what? I see that like I never saw it before. And I'm not willing to continue to be that person. I'm not willing to want to be one that bargains with God. Hey, or like the demons, hey, can we go here? You know, I mean, we don't, you're just trying to tell us to go. Well, well how about if you let us go over here? How about, I don't want to negotiate with God on that level anymore. And I will not. That was a decision that I made because his goodness, you know, the scripture talks about it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's your kindness that leads us to a change of heart. Because I looked at that and said, never again. Will I be one? I choose not to be one that will delay what you want to do in my life because of something in the natural, something earthbound that I want in that moment that my flesh would override uh, my desire to follow after you. I walk from this point on in this even area of my life. I will have no other gods before you, especially not myself. And so that's the kind of thing that I, that's why I feel obedience is supernatural. It brings about something in you that starts to burn away everything and anything that would want to walk contrary to the way of the father, to hate something that God loves, hate someone that God loves, to, to, to judge wrongly or to, to always look in my flesh and deal with people according to how I see them naturally. And this is not acceptable. And that leads us to, I believe, uh, Matthew 7 in verse 13, where Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate for wide the gate and broad the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. And I was talking about that in terms of certain types of relationships. I've had uh, encounters where it was like attraction came from the wrong door. It came from the wide place, not the narrow place, because there's a way that seems right to man, but that leads to destruction. And then there's the direction of the spirit who says, I will lead you in the way that you will go. I will teach you how to prosper. I'll guide you with my eye. And here, when Jesus is talking about enter by the narrow gate, verse 12, he said, whatever you want men to do, do to you, to do to you, you do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is what Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, this comes from that season. But I'm going to tell you, enter by the narrow gate. You're going to have to go through the way of boundaries. You're going to have to go through the way of, of um, structure. You have to come to the way of the plan of God because God is never trying to do anything off the top of his head. You're going to have to come to the way by the way of submission. You're going to have to come by the way of obedience and a desire to change. Because if you stay with, I'll just, I'm a free spirit. I just do what I want to do. I have no plans. We're just going to drive and drive and wherever we end up, hey, that's where we end up. That's not kingdom. It's a flip of the coin. No, it's not. Your life is more than that. There's a specific plan, a desire of, of the father for us. And he says, and broad the way that leads to destruction because you end up being sometime or the other in the wrong place at exactly the right time for darkness to do the things that it wants to do. And he said, there are many who go and buy it because verse 14, narrow the gate and difficult 
the way which leads to Zoe, to kingdom life, to the life of God. And there are few who find it. There are few who look for it. That's why there are few who find it. And few doesn't mean just one. Okay. But I'm looking at that 99 and then the one, and then the, you look at the, the different kinds of comparisons. There's the 10 and then the one, you know, the 10 that were uh, uh, lepers and then the one that came back or seven and this or whatever the numbers are. But there's always one out of every crowd that determines, I'm going to go back to you and say, thank you. I'm going to come back to you and ask you as the disciples did in Mark chapter four. And after he gave the parable and the parables, and they came back and said, talk to us about this. There's always somebody in the crowd that wants to, that is going to separate. It's going to stand out and say, there's more to this kingdom thing than just this part. I'm not going to be satisfied with just getting the bag of goodies. I want to know the secrets. I want to know the ways. Remember, Moses knew the ways of God. The others only knew his acts. I want to know your ways. I want to know you. I want to be in your presence. I want to be in relationship. I don't want just to get the benefits. I don't want to just be a passerby and be an acquaintance of yours, but I desire to know you, to know this, to be intimate with you. I want to see how you do it. This is what Jesus said in uh, Matthew chapter 11, I believe it is, and that would be from I take it from the message translation. Watch how I do it. I'm willing to teach you. I'm willing to show you. I'm willing to be in this relationship with you. I'm willing to transform you. I'm willing to let you be like I am. As he is, so are we. And he's like, I'll show you how to be just like that. I'll show you how this stuff works. I'll take you behind the scenes. I'll remove you from your religious ideas of, and your concept of yourself and how you must be and, re and represent. I will cause you to be everything that I have ever desired for you to be. You'll be just like me. In fact, you it will be me in you manifesting, being seen. And that's what he said. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way. And so people say, I don't want difficult. I don't want to go through that. I don't want any trouble. I don't want any hardship. I don't want any, I don't, I don't want any kind of, Ooh, nothing, nothing, nothing that would be a, a hindrance to me. But sometimes you're just going to have to move the bushes out the way. Sometimes it's going to take you getting stuck by a bramble it's sometimes adversity is going to be there. I had an awesome opportunity to sit and talk um, on my program, Kingdom Conversations, yesterday. And my two guests were Apostles uh, Jennifer Foster and Apostle Rosanna Roman, Do Apostle Dr. Rosanna Roman. And she was talking about, Dr. Roman was talking about walking in adversity. And she, first thing she said, one of the first things she said is you have to have the right attitude. When you know that God has called you to something and you're on the path to doing it and everywhere you go, there are buffers, there are hindrances, there are uh, naysayers, there are people that talk about you and they're right there in your home. They're right there in your church. They're right there in your neighborhood or your workplace. But I called you to this and I told you I would do things through you. And God is saying, but you're going to have to face it. It says that Jesus looked beyond the cross, despising the shame of that for the glory that was set before him. And we too, when we're called of God, that you're really going to do this kingdom thing of ours, then it calls for a higher caliber of life. It calls for a cry for excellence in everything, that, that in nothing will we tolerate mediocrity in, within ourselves, <laughs> 
It's not within others. It's within ourselves. I told you about me calling up somebody saying, no, that's a lie. And that's not going to be acceptable even as a joke. Well, was I doing it because I was insulted? No, because somewhere in me, there was suddenly a determination to walk in integrity. And you are not going to put that in there to get me to agree with it. And I could not just let it sit there, but I did not have to continue with it. Are you understanding? Not mad at the people, not upset about that at all, but telling the devil, you will not speak this about me in this domain. You will not do this because that is not who we are. That's not who we are. God will fight it. And it's really no fight. But what I'm saying is it turned something in me. No, no. The identity is about integrity. The identity is about obedience. The identity is about uh, cleaning up the mess and never letting it happen again. The identity is about being purged of everything that is not him. So that the days that the, that the, that the uh, one that goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour will find nothing in me that he can feast upon. He can't even sink his teeth in it. I am not palatable as far as that, de that devil's uh, palate is concerned. They will not even try. They may try to set something up down the road, but we will have the eyes to see and we will know according to the desires of the father precisely what it is that he wants to do. And those are the things that we're looking at in terms of kingdom. This is my identity. This is who we are. This is how we do things. This is what we do. And at all times, we are consistent in this and we insist upon it within ourselves. It is less of me making a demand upon you to do this thing. It is more of me allowing the spirit of the Lord to demand, make a demand upon me to pull upon his goodness, to pull upon his his awesomeness within me and saying, this is how I want to manifest through you. Will you let me do it? And I think that's the question that he's asking us really simply. This is what I want to do. Are you going to be one that allows me to do it? Are you going to stick with the program? Are you going to face adversity and keep going? Are you going to shake it off like Paul shook off, shook off the snake that the viper that had gotten a hold of his wrist? No. Are you going to say, yes, we've been, uh, this has happened to us and that has happened to us and this has happened to us, but none of these things move me. None of these things will move me off course. None of these things will get me to turn my back on my father. I'm not going to uh, learn you by the flesh. I'm going to learn you by the spirit. I will walk in the spirit so that I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I will walk and stand fast in the liberty by which you have called me, the liberty that you have given me. This is the last scripture, I think. Galatians 5. I will stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made me free. And I will not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You know, that's a confession that I tell myself. You will stand fast in this liberty that Christ has made you free. You will not. You are no longer entangled. You don't even know how to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You don't know how to choose disobedience over obedience anymore. You are loved by God. I love you. And I look at you. And I say to you, oh, no, you obey because you love to obey. You obey because he's good. You obey because he called you to it. And those are some of the things that um, I think I was sent here tonight live and in person to share with you. So do I have any other questions? Galatians 5. Um, do I have any other questions? Do you want me to look at Galatians 3? Is there something I should look at there? I'll look at it. Um, anything else? 
da 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 <laughs> Yes, it is Galatians 5. Um, okay. Well, again, I'm going to ask the question. So when I'm talking to you about kingdom and I'm talking to you about these things, am I talking, do you hear me talking to you passionately about your identity? Are we talking about your kingdom? No, no problem. You talking about your kingdom identity? Is that what you hear? That you can walk in this thing? That you can be um, all the things that he desires and that it's less about, oh, I was thinking about myself and this and I was thinking about myself. It's like, really, really, really no. No, think about him in those scenarios. Think about how he can manifest in those things. Uh, I will I will not be, I, I'm not entangled ever again with the yoke of bondage. I am, I am in Christ. Uh, verse seven, Galatians five. This is the one that I had to look at. He said, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? And so I went back to him. It's like, I, I, if I have not obeyed the truth and I have walked in deception, where is it in me that I don't want you there? Where is it in me that I want to keep pretending all is well, everything's fine? Where is it in me that I'm protecting sin in my life? I'm protecting it in my behavior. I am qualifying it. I'm saying it's not really that. That's not what it is, but it is where I'm smelling in the spirit because people can smell my disobedience, but I'm so used to how it smells that I don't know that it's off. You know, have you ever thought of that? Cause I've walked in things like that. Um, he said that this persuasion, which was a, a move, um, that the word persuasion in this case is the word it means treacherous or deceptive persuasion it means um something that allowed you to be easily moved and the only reason that this persuasion uh came at all was because of the places in me that i don't stand fast i didn't stand fast in the liberty and so I did become entangled again in the yoke, the thing that I had just broken free of, the thing that I thought, okay, finally I'm free. But there was a fear or something that you might walk in. I hope I don't go back. Well, you got to get rid of that hope. <laughs> you got to get rid of the hope that you don't go back. And you have to get to the place of the assurance, speaking to the Holy Spirit going, well, if I'm feeling this spongy here, then, then there's, there's still some weakness. There's still some things in me. Like I was telling you, the ability to delay obedience was something that was getting me in trouble. The ability to think on the things of, and, and, and if you told me, you know, you, you sometimes you choose your stuff over God. No, 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 I don't do that. And yet I could just look at myself and think, well, then why is there so much mediocrity in your life? Your kingdom. So why is there a tolerance for mediocrity? when you belong to the one that always has preeminence. And I've been looking at that, my own self, at me. Because I'm sparkly and I'm this and I'm this, but I'm supposed to be more of that, not less. You know, more of who he is. And so I had to look at the religious ideas that I was still entertaining because it was never challenged before. But now... 
This is why I said, you've got, do you have any fighting you at all to be able to wrestle yourself down and to say, you're not doing right. And we're not going to just sit here and cry like a baby. We are going to look at this thing and we are going to feed on this thing. I'm not going to feed on it like oh, I'm mediocre. I'm going to feed on it. Well, why did you tolerate that? Look at what he says here. Verse nine, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Well, why is there still leaven in this? Why? What, what, what is this about? Let's look at this. What do I, what am I really thinking here? Why am I holding back? Why don't I want to step into this? What, 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 why Lord, you know, and he'll tell you because it's, it shows up in the word in verse 10. He says, I have confidence in you in the Lord. I don't have confidence in you in the flesh, but I have confidence in you in the Lord that you have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And then he goes on and he talks about these things. But verse 13, brethren, you've been called to liberty, but don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, you serve others, see others. And it is the all the, all the laws fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. And so I thought, well, how do I do that? Where have I done that? What is this about? Okay, I'm not going to try to control people, but I am going to exercise the spirit of control of myself, self-control. I'm going to stop trying to preach to others and practice what I'm preaching. I'm going to manifest as what, what it is that I'm seeing and I'm sharing with everybody else. But I'd rather be able to be a live demonstration of it before I'm just a, a really good talker, you see. And so those are some of the things that, that in that alone time, in those early morning hours, I think of it um, as that intimate time with him first thing in the morning. And he's on my mind and he's talking to me and he's sharing things that I sometimes just fall right back to sleep. But when I wake up, the first thing on my mind is the last thing I heard before I slept. And I listen and I'm saying, Tell me why. Why do I do this? What is what is this about? Where is this coming from? Where where where's the leak? Where's the where's the weak the weak link? Where, you know, because I'm on the hunt, but I don't really have to go on this deep search. Because let me just do this right here up front. You can have it. I'm I want to know where it is and what it is so I can give it to you. I want whatever this malfunction is. It's yours. From the take, from the from the get go, it's yours. But if you feel I need to know something about it, so that we never let this in again, I am taking this lesson. I am going to be stripped of my ability to ever walk in a way that would not please you, in a way that would cause me not to hear you or to miss out or any of those other things. And I've talked about it as long as I really wanted to talk. Now, um, I'm, I could go on. Trust me, I could go on with this one for quite a while. But I'm going to let y'all talk. I'm going to ask you to. Um, Consider this. Be sober about it. I'll come back next week, I think. Remind me, Crystal, what I wanted to talk about. No. <laughs> um, I think it's worth it. You're coming up on the 4th of July, the Independence Day of this country. That's on Monday. So we'll be two days into it. What kind of liberty? Look up that those scriptures talking about liberty. What kind of liberty are you going to walk in? What kind of dependence will you walk in? What will you choose to be independent of? Are you still going to be independent of God? Or are you going to be independent of darkness? It's up to you. Who will you depend upon? Will you depend more upon the secular? Will you depend more upon the ways of the world? Or will you depend upon the Almighty? It's up to you. Astounding love, you can go ahead. We're receiving the tithes and offerings and all of the other things for uh, Wednesday night for the Bible study.
Um, anybody else that would like to sow, please feel free to do so. I think it's good ground. But I want to say to you, I pray that I gave you some things to think about. And I pray that you look at those in terms of what your identity is. And you will walk according to what you've been called to. Some of you, you're thinking that the calling is the call to preach. But it's really a call to excellence. It's a call to the standards of the kingdom. Maybe you don't know what those are. I'm going to take responsibility for my part. And I will do better about teaching that. Uh, because, see, the expectations of the kingdom are not expectations for us to do these things on our own, but it's the expectation of the king that he be granted or, or that we yield to allow him to do so, that we yield to his way and that he's able to show through us the world, show the world just how amazing it is to be in the kingdom. We've seen some things happening and we think, oh, that's great, but I'm going to encourage the intercessors to keep praying keep listening and just say what he wants said because that's how we do it we don't just say it because it seems like a good idea but we listen and then we yield our tongues and we let him speak and he gets the things done that's really how it works that's a simplified matter but there it is y'all got any more questions please write them even if we go as we go off the air tonight we'll respond back to them uh, wherever you've been provoked to change. My prayer for you is the same prayer that I pray for myself. Okay? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in me. I thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, those of you that know me, I'm Pastor Lensing Lee of Astounding Love, a global church fellowship, and um, part of More Than Enough Ministries. And for those that, and so y'all call me PL3, and for the rest of you who may not know who I am, it's very nice to meet you. I pray that you come again sometime. And so for that being this, this state of things, that's all that we have to say tonight. I love you astoundingly. I am, um, I thank my producer tonight, Crystal Kemp, who's in control of all of the controls. So when she ends the broadcast, I was out of here. But anyway, thank you again um, so much. And we will see some of y'all on Sunday and the rest of you next week. Have a wonderful 4th of July. We love you astoundingly. And good night. And amen. <laughs>